Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again this week, and I trust and pray that you're getting help from these Bible lessons here on the Searching the Scriptures radio program. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and as always, it is my privilege to have an open Bible before me and yet another opportunity to expound the Word of God. Uh, As always, we want to invite the listening audience uh, to get your Bible open and follow along. If you cannot get to your Bible, jot down the scripture references that I give and check me out later. We've entitled our broadcast, The Searching the Scriptures Program, because the Bereans, the Bible says over there in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And it says that they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And listen, I'm going to produce for you the Bible The Bible instructs every Christian to prove all things. And the way you're going to prove something is not by your preference, not by how you feel, not by your opinions or even your denominational prejudice, but rather on this program, the word of God is the final authority. I want to see and to know what did God say? So this week we're going to be in Ephesians chapter five. I want to start off with just one verse here in Ephesians chapter five. Paul is writing to the believers in the city of Ephesus as well as to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he is writing to born-again Christians, and he says these words in verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18. The scripture says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Well, that's good advice for any Christian. You're not to be a drunkard. In fact, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God, according to the Bible. And here he says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But, here's the command, Be filled with with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And I want to talk to you about the subject of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. These things are fresh on my mind as we just recently had a revival meeting where this was the theme. The pastor came in and taught and preached on the subject of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And you know something, many times Baptists, and I'm, I'm a Baptist, but many times we are a little nervous about this subject. Now the reason that is is because Baptist people have always been able to identify error. We're great at identifying a heresy or a false teaching. But you know something, just because someone has taught something about the doctrine of the Holy Ghost that is ignorant or an error does not mean that we should not flip that coin over and not only be able to identify the the wrong teaching, but listen, we need to be able to identify the truth about that doctrine and embrace the truth because Jesus Christ says the truth shall make you free. I want to be free about this, and I want to know the truth because the truth shall make you free. And so, listen, the doctrine of the Holy Ghost is a New Testament doctrine. He is called the Holy Ghost over 90 times in the Bible and in the New Testament. He's called the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of the Lord. And when a man gets born again, the Holy Ghost moves into that man, regenerates his spirit, and takes up residence in his heart. Now, in Ephesians 5, we're commanded to be filled with him. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean about some of the ignorance that is taught about him. It wasn't too long ago that we just had a church booth set up in a local festival. There were several thousand people passing by, and and, uh, we had a couple men or ladies from our church each uh, afternoon and evening that would man the booth. You, Some of you have probably seen it. We've been at the Mercer County Fair, different fairs around here, different festivals. And we do that just because it provides a great opportunity for us to have conversations with people and to do what God commanded us to do. The Lord Jesus Christ said before he went back to heaven, 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a responsibility to get the gospel out to the lost and the dying. And so one of the things that we like to do as a church is we like to get out where people are at, where sinners are at, where lost people are, and give them the glorious good news that a Savior has come and died and rose from the dead. That is good news. Well, the people who typically stop and want to argue or heckle are usually of the religious persuasion. And that doesn't surprise me. As you well know, if you study the gospel accounts of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find out that the Lord Jesus was most often opposed uh, by religious people. And it's no different today. Uh, He said in the Gospel of John, he said, Marvel not, he said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've hated me, they'll hate you. And you can mark it down if you're going to go out and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and witness for him and give the Gospel out, you're going to run into opposition and you're going to even be hated at times by people not because you've done anything wrong, but because religion cannot stand to be in the same room with Jesus Christ. And so my friend from the church here was down there witnessing, and a man walked up who said he was an apostolic preacher. And of course, the apostolic church is a church that's, uh, uh, some of them are called the full gospel and different things, and they have some peculiar ideas about the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the conversation as it went that afternoon. This apostolic preacher came up and asked him what church he was with. And he said, well, I'm with Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church, but we're just out giving the gospel out. Have you ever been born again? So he proceeds to explain why he's not a Baptist and why Baptists are wrong about this, this, and the other. And finally, he looked at my friend. He goes, and y'all don't believe uh, right about the Holy Ghost. Well, this got my friend's attention. And he said, well, no, we do believe in the Holy Ghost. He's in me. He goes, how do you know he's in you? He goes, because I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he saved me. And this man said, have you ever spoken in tongues? My friend said, church member here, said, no, sir, I never have. I have no desire to. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't ever expect to. And that man put his finger on his chest. He goes, then you don't have the Holy Ghost because you've never spoken in tongues. Now, people who uh, say that are just, can I tell you, they're just ignorant, And when I say the word ignorant, do you understand if you spell the word ignorant, the first part of that word is the word ignore. They've ignored some things. They are ignorant, ignorant. They've ignored what the Bible says. You say, what do you mean? Well, in Galatians chapter four, verse four, the scripture says this, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now watch this. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came and uh, he came to redeem those that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Well, how does he redeem people? Well, he redeems us through his blood. Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross. You sing that hymn probably, I will cling to the old rugged cross. Well, that's the song of the heart of every believer because that cross represents our redemption. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and he rose again the third day. And the scripture tells us, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Did you get that? John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Do you know when you became a child of God? When you received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at our text in Galatians chapter 4. It says in verse 6, And because ye are sons, how did you become a son? 
You believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You received him by faith as your Lord and Savior. And it says in verse 6, are you reading with me? Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, because you are sons, quote, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the Bible is very plain. Galatians in the third chapter says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So Jesus Christ became a curse on that cross instead of us. As our replacement, as our substitute, in our stead, Christ became a curse. And it says in verse 14 of Galatians 3, watch it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When a man puts his faith in Jesus Christ, when a man receives the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes a, a son of God and he receives the spirit of God by faith because the Bible says that God sent forth his spirit into our hearts because we're sons, because we believed upon Jesus Christ. And the problem with this crowd that's all the time talking about tongues is they believe that that's the only, quote, evidence of a spirit-filled man. Can I tell you something? While this lesson is not about tongues, if you'll study your Bible rather than listening to what somebody said or what somebody wrote in a book, and if you'll study your Bible rather than going on how you feel about it or how good of a preacher your grandmother was, if you'll quit going off these things that don't matter and get in the Bible, you'll find out that tongues were for a sign. They were a sign to unbelieving Jews Tongues are for a sign, and the Jews require a sign. But the evidence of the Holy Ghost manifests itself in other ways. Now listen, the Spirit of God indwells every born-again believer. That was the promise. He is in there. If you've been born again, the Holy Ghost lives in you. And being filled with Him has to do with how much He has of you, not how much you have of Him. Can I tell you, when you got the Holy Ghost, when you trusted Christ, you got all of Him. You didn't get an arm and a foot and, a, and an ear of the Holy Ghost. You got the full person of the Spirit of God. The question is not, did you get all of the Spirit of God? The question is, does He have all of you? Have you yielded your body to Him to control you and to use you and to fill you? Because when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, he'll be walking in the Spirit. Now look back in our text of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So it's a command. And it is possible, and it's something that God will do in you if you will allow him. Can I tell you something? You are going to have a hard time living the Christian life if you do not get in touch with the Holy Ghost and figure out that he wants to live the life of Jesus Christ through you. Did you get that? Listen, he is the power source for our Christianity you cannot live the, the life of Jesus Christ. You cannot walk as a Christian walks, is supposed to walk, unless you allow the power of the Spirit of God to propel you and fuel you and lead you and carry you through this life. So you have to know he's there and you have to yield to his presence and allow him to work through you. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, it would be like this if you had a brand new F-150 truck out here in the parking lot 
And one day I looked out the window and you had that thing in neutral and you were behind it with two or three other people pushing that truck down the road. Yeah, you might make it move a little bit out of your own strength, but you're going to be exhausted, tired, and frustrated trying to make that truck go for you because you're not allowing its power source to carry you. What you're supposed to do is get in that truck and rest yourself and let the engine carry you. Can I tell you something? Those of you that have been born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you need to rest in him and look to him and the spirit of God to carry you and to power you through this life. And when a man is doing that and has yielded himself up and yielded his life up to the Lord Jesus Christ, looking to the Holy Ghost to lead him, I'm going to tell you God will do it. And there will be some fruit and some evidence in that man's life. As the preacher that was with us said, we do not need to be looking for experiences and wild, wild things, listening for voices and, and looking to see lights and all of that. Listen, the devil can appear as an angel of light. The Bible never instructs us to look for some wild experience, but rather we ought to be looking for the fruit of his presence in our life. We ought to be looking for the evidence of him. You say, well, what evidences should I be looking for? Well, certainly not tongues. That's a sign for the Jew. But there is some fruit and there is some evidence. Look with me, if you will, back in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. Let's read it in its context. And let's look at the first evidence of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now look at the next thing that comes up in the Bible. What's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit? of being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Well, verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I'll say the first one of the first evidences of the fullness of the Holy Ghost is a melody in your heart. You know, we sing that song, There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. I like that song. You know what? You ought to have a melody in your heart. You ought to have a song in your heart. When a man's filled with the Holy Ghost, he is full of joy, even in the midst of trials. You say, well, where's that found at? Well, in the book of Acts chapter 16 You'll find the Apostle Paul and his sidekick Silas have been falsely accused. They've been lied about. They've been arrested and humiliated and beaten in the streets of Philippi. And then they've been taken after their beating. And they, without a trial, they've been cast into prison. And the Bible says that the jailer, having received a charge, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now think about this. This is not a good day for Paul and Silas. He simply was a blessing to someone earlier here in the chapter. He had delivered a young lady. As an apostle, he had the ability to cast out unclean spirits. And he had delivered this young lady from this unclean spirit that was in her. And because some men were uh, misusing this young lady for, for gain, for money, when they saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they got enraged because, quote, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so they lied about the preachers and they stirred up the town against them. And Paul had been beaten in the street. His clothes had been stripped off. He had been humiliated, lied about, all because he had been a blessing to somebody in the work of God. And here he is locked up in the stocks in the inner prison. Well, if that was uh, the average Laodicean Christian, they'd be ready to quit. 
why today people are so not filled with the Holy Ghost, they're so not walking in the Spirit, that something as simple as somebody taking their pew can get them sour and sideways in a church service. Something as trivial and petty as the, the air conditioning being too cool or the heat it being too hot. That can foul their spirit and they miss a blessing in the service. That's Laodicea for you here in America. We got it too good. But here Paul has been up against some real opposition. He's been mishandled, misrepresented, and lied about. And yet you come to verse 25 and what do you read? Paul and Silas, having had their feet made fast in the stocks, verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and get it, they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Do you know what that is, my friend? That's the spirit-filled life right there. In the midst of trials, they still had joy of the Holy Ghost, because listen, Jesus Christ likened the Holy Ghost in the believer as a river of living water that would flow outwardly to be a blessing to other people. And when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost and walking in the Spirit, one of the evidences will be a merry heart. There will be a song in his heart. Do you have a song in your heart? Do you have some joy? Because the Holy Ghost will give you joy. Why, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're told about the church over there, the believers that were going out to preach. It says that our gospel, Paul was writing, I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. In verse 6, he says, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So affliction and trial does not bring a Christian into despair for very long, if it does at all. But one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit is singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Listen, Paul was in prison. Paul's back had been whipped. I'm sure he had dried blood from the stripes that had he oozed and seeped blood that evening uh, on his back. I'm sure that he was sore. I'm sure that he did not enjoy being lied about. I'm sure he didn't enjoy being down in that inner prison in the hole, if you will, being locked in the stocks. That was no fun, but all oh, listen to me. Paul being filled with the Holy Ghost, his heart was somewhere else. He was, he was looking to the throne. He was seeing he was the prisoner of the Lord, amen, and therefore he was able in the midnight hour God giveth songs in the night. He was able to sing praises, pray, and to sing praises unto God. What did he have? He had a song in his heart because the Holy Ghost was full and running like a river through his heart and outwardly. And listen, that Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, that the prisoners heard them. And you know what that ended up doing? It ended up leading to the salvation of that old Philippian jailer who got under conviction when he heard those Holy Ghost-filled men locked up in his prison and he saw the earthquake that God had sent and he was ready to kill himself. And Paul said, do thyself no harm for we are all here. And he sprang in and called for a light and came in trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you know what? Paul and Silas looked at him and they answered and said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen and amen. So we see that joy and a melody in the heart, that's an evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And that song goes throughout the trials and afflictions. Now look back in Ephesians 5 at verse 20. 
We're talking about the evidence, the marks of the spirit-filled man. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, here's another good evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's not tongues. Tongues are for a sign. These are marks of the spirit-filled man. And listen, he has a melody in his heart, but also he's got a thankful spirit. He gives thanks always for all things. That is the will of God. And that is his spirit. That's his attitude. He wants to give thanks for everything. You remember when Jesus Christ healed the 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19, and only one of them came back. And the Lord said, where are the nine? I healed 10. How come only one came back to give thanks? Listen, it's not a natural thing for a man to be thankful. The natural man, you know what the natural man wants to do? The opposite of thanksgiving is murmuring and complaining and griping and moaning and whining. And brother, we've got that this day and age. You listen to the average conversation of a person. You know what you'll do? You have a big meeting at a church. People sitting there with leather-bound King James Bibles, with a car, a nice car sitting out there waiting for them to get into, to drive home to their nice homes that are air-conditioned and heated. AC in the summer, heat in the winter, got their health. And a preacher gets up and expounds the Word of God. There's special singing. There's opportunities to serve. And you know what someone will say after a service? They'll point out the one thing that they didn't like. You know what that is? That's the natural fleshy man. The Holy Spirit-led man, the, the evidence of a Holy Ghost-filled man, is a man who is thankful for all things. And I'm telling you, a thankful spirit will lift your spirits. You get to focusing on what you don't like and what you want to complain about, and you'll be miserable all the days of your life. Listen, you're either walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. You say, well, preacher, is it possible to be saved and walk in the flesh? Oh, yes. Listen to this verse. Galatians chapter 5 says in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now the indication there in verse 25, that's Galatians 5, 25. If, if that uh, verse says what it means and means what it says, it is contrasting the fact that a person can live in the spirit, but maybe not walk in the spirit. Because the spirit-filled man, the man who walks in the spirit is listening for the directions from the Holy Ghost. And if he listens to the Spirit of God and walks in the Spirit of God, then he will not be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Because the Scripture says just a few verses before that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he begins to show what the flesh does. Because the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Look at verse 19 of Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, here is a description of a man who is carnal, who's, who's acting fleshy, who's allowing his old man to dominate the day. It says the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now look, uh, most of you would agree with all that, adultery and fornication. You say, yep, I knew that was the works of the flesh. But then look at verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Why, hatred can be hidden in a man's heart, and yet that's said to be of the flesh. Variance and emulations, wrath, strife. 
Well, that sounds like the average Baptist business meeting. Seditions, heresies, envyings are mentioned right along murders and drunkenness. You see, if a man is walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and yielded to the Holy Ghost that dwells in his heart, he will be thankful. My friend, that is not the natural attitude of a man. The natural attitude of a man is to focus on himself and anything that he does not like, he will complain about. What do you do most of all? Do you complain and murmur about everything? I mean, really stop and examine yourself on this point. The Spirit-filled man will be full of thanksgiving and he will be looking to thank the Lord for every blessing and the Holy Ghost will make him aware of every good thing that God has poured out in his life. Giving thanks always for all things. Verse 21 speaks of submission. It says in verse 21 of Ephesians 5 and again we're looking here at some of the marks of the spirit-filled life, the evidences of being filled with the Holy Ghost. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A man who is filled with the Holy Ghost will be a submissive man to the proper authorities in his life. Nobody lives without some sort of authority over them. God is an authority. Local civil government is an authority. A pastor in the leadership of the local church is an authority. A husband is an authority over his wife and children. The mother, the wife is over the children. You always will have to answer to a higher authority. And the devil's the one that says, do your own will, rebel against this. That's the flesh. That's the devil. And that's the world's way of dealing with things. But the Holy Ghost-filled man will submit himself to the proper people. A wife that is filled with the Holy Ghost will submit herself as the Bible instructs her to do to her husband. And not only will she submit herself, but she will reverence him. The submission will come with reverence. That's a respect and an honor. It's not just, well, okay, I'll do what you say. No, that's not submission. Submission and reverence go together, and it's the Holy Ghost-filled person that will do that. Oh, we could go on and on about the evidences of the Holy Ghost. One of the great evidences is the fact that you are bold to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why, in Acts chapter 4, they were being persecuted for the, the gospel preaching that was going on at the time there in Jerusalem. And the church got together and they prayed unto God. And they said, Lord, behold their threatenings. And here was their petition. Here's what they asked for. They said, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness... We may speak thy word. And you know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31? When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Listen, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do when they were filled with the Spirit of God? It says they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And they were very generous. You'll notice that they were gracious givers. A man filled with the Holy Ghost will speak the word of God with boldness and he will give willingly and cheerfully to the calls of God and to the needs of others. Joy, a melody, a song in your heart, thankfulness, submissiveness, boldness in the faith, gracious and cheerful giving. These are all marks of the Holy Ghost filled man, woman, boy or girl. And we need not run from this great doctrine, but rather allow the Spirit of God to work through us that which is pleasing in the sight of God. Do you know the Lord Jesus? 
Have you received him as your savior? If you have, then the Holy Ghost lives in you and he dwells in you. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if you have him, he's in there and he desires to live through you. He is your power source. He is your source of peace. Amen and amen. And we need to get back to looking to him to govern our lives and to lead us in this life that we might have joy, that we might be thankful, that we might submit one to another in the fear of the Lord, that we might speak boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear, and that we might be good givers. Those are just some of the signs and the marks of a spirit-filled man. Listen, that spirit is there to comfort us and to give us peace in the midst of a crazy, mixed-up world. I hope you know him, and I hope you'll start looking for the evidence of the Holy Ghost working in you. Thank God for him. He is the gift of God that was placed within our hearts when we trusted the Lord Jesus. And I hope that you know Jesus Christ. To those of you that do not, the answer to what must I do to be saved is simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For those of us who know him, maybe walk in the spirit every day and look to him to lead our steps. Thank you for listening. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.